All right, everyone, welcome back to another week for the Cause for Joy podcast. We are thrilled to be with you this week. And let me tell you, uh, we are super excited because we have a very special guest with us this week. And I'm going to let Father Kevin give you some hints as to who this is. Yes. So this mystery guest of ours is an avid Packers fan, loves to ride horses and Harleys, loves to scuba dive, and he also has a dog named Coco. You guessed correctly, it's our very own Bishop Robert Gruse. Bishop, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Now wow. we have yeah, a very important question to uh, begin our time together, and that is, Bishop, how do you take your coffee? I take it black and strong, or Amen. strong and black. Nice. <laughs> the only way to go, right? I like that. Not flavored, but plain. I'm with you. Same, you. same. Right. Do you like, are you and, like a, a, and a- many And many cups throughout the day. Same, same. So are you a dark roast person? I am a, a dark roast person. Nice. Okay. I'm more medium, more light roast, but. Yeah, but dark yeah, roast is where, yeah, dark roast is where it's at. So, but another question too is how do you take your scotch? We hear that you really enjoy scotch, so. I take my scotch on the rocks, mm. a glass full of ice, and just pour the scotch to the top. That's how you do it. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's how it's done. This is great. I love this. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. All right. So we are thrilled to have Bishop Gruce with us. He is the seventh bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Saginaw. So we are, this just means a lot to us to have him join us and to talk with us about the Eucharist today and uh, the importance of the Eucharist and and how the Eucharist really helps deepen our relationship with our triune God. And so that's really what we're going to be focusing on today. But before we do, we're going to ask uh, Father Kevin to open us in a prayer. It, this comes from uh, St. Augustine's. You would recognize it as our hearts are restless until they rest in you, Lord. Uh, but Father, will open us in a prayer and then we'll dive into some discussion here. Sure. So this is from the Order of the Solemn Exposition of the Holy Eucharist. So we pray, Father in heaven, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Fulfill this longing through Jesus, the bread of life, so that we may witness to him who alone satisfies the hungers of the human family. By the power of your spirit, lead us to the heavenly table where we may feast on the vision of your glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great. So we, we got a little bit of an introduction to you, Bishop, there, but maybe you could share a little bit more about, you've, you've been kind of all over the Midwest over the centuries, or not, not centuries, over the decades. You're not that old. <laughs> well, the centuries. I mean, wow. it's just because you're the so wise. The centuries that I'm not a saint yet. Wow, yeah. that's impressive. It takes time. It takes time, you know. It takes time. So over the decades, let's see, you started out in Wisconsin, is that right? Yeah, actually, the people ask me, like, where are you from? And I always say, well... Nowhere in particular, because I was born in Arkansas, actually, Texarkana. That's right, that's right. And my parents lived in Texarkana, Texas, mm -hmm. so the closest hospital was across the border. Mm. Right? I spent the first five days of my life in an incubator, so I was mm. premature, in Arkansas, and then Texas, and then from there we moved to Oklahoma City, okay. and then from there to St. Joe, Missouri, and then to Kansas City, and I think at that point in time, I was going like into kindergarten or first grade. From there, when I was in fourth grade, midway through fourth grade, we moved to Wisconsin. Okay. And so I went to school in Shorewood, which is a suburb of, of Milwaukee. We were there for a year and a half, and then South Milwaukee. So it wasn't a very big move, but just another 
the adjoining town. Sure. Was there until I was you know, in South Milwaukee, sixth through the ninth grade. Then we moved to Edgerton, which is 25 miles south of Madison. Went to high school there. Went to college in Madison. And then I moved to Iowa when I was 25 uh, to take a flying job. So I used to fly airplanes for a living. So that was my first real you know, flying job. Mm -hmm. And then when I decided to think about it, going to the seminary, I just, instead of going back to Wisconsin, which I had kind of been away from for a long time, I um, just decided to apply to the Diocese of Davenport. Okay. Sure. Wow. Yeah. And then, so then you entered seminary. What, where was seminary at? So I only had a, like a two-year degree in college, mm -hmm. associate degree in civil engineering. Then I got into flying, right? So I went to flying school and all that. And so when I decided to go on the seminary, I didn't have a four-year college degree, which you need to have. So mm -hmm. Davenport, we had our own diocesan university, St. Ambrose. I did three semesters in a summer there, completed a BA in theology, mm -hmm. and got all the philosophy requirements. And then I went to major seminary at the North American College in Rome. Okay. Sure, sure. So I was ordained a priest when I was 39. Okay. 39. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Mm. That's awesome. You know, part of why it is that we asked you to be on the podcast, Bishop, is that part of this season, our theme for the podcast has been joyful Eucharistic witness. That's what we want to live out as a team, and that's what we want to encourage our listeners to do. And we thought that that perfectly coincided with what you and the rest of the U.S. bishops are calling for in our dioceses across the country is this Eucharistic revival of helping people to fall in love with the Eucharist, maybe for the first time, or maybe if they've been away for a while, for the first time in a long time. So Emma, I think you had a, a quote that you wanted to share with us to kind of tee up this conversation and get our hearts and minds focused on speaking about the Eucharist. Absolutely. So this comes from Bread That is Broken by Wilfred Stinnison, which is actually, Bishop, the book that you recommended. I think it came out in the Faith magazine in December. I gave it to all the priests for Christmas. Yes. Right. I have heard that too. Yeah, so. And I have read it and it, I cannot speak highly enough of it. So a great recommendation. But the very, I think it's one of the last pages, he writes this quote, the Eucharist is the source of a specific Christian behavior on all levels. It regulates all our relations, our relation to God, to be totally offered to him and to live in constant thanksgiving our relation to each other, to be each other's servants, and our relation to nature and the world, to consider and use them so they reveal something of God's glory. And I thought that just, it sums up everything that the Eucharist is. And so I just thought that that could be kind of a, a good quote to start our conversation, that when you think back on your life and your journey, how has the Eucharist worked in your life? How did you develop a relationship with the Eucharist or how was it pivotal in discerning the priesthood and then just your faith like even now? Yeah, you know, the Eucharist is, I mean, it's, it's the greatest gift that Jesus has given us. Like there is no greater gift, right? Right. And so if we fall in love with the Eucharist, we will fall in love with Jesus. Mm. If we fall in love with Jesus, you know, we, we will never go without the Eucharist. Mm. I mean, I think as simple as that. Yeah, you know, I remember, you know, people ask me, so what about your vocation and how did that come about? And it really, in some sense, for me, it goes back to the Eucharist, really. Mm. I remember when I was in high school, like the upper years of high school and even in my early years of college, I would go to Mass often by myself. It wasn't like the thing our family did together. I mean, my dad would go for Saturday night and my siblings would go Sunday or at some other time, probably a later time than I wanted to go. And 
But I always found, even high school, I don't know what it was, and I can't really describe what it was, but there was an attraction to the Mass for me. Mm. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to, I think I was probably about seventh or eighth grade, maybe sixth, seventh grade, I used to play Mass at home. <laughs> right? So there was something back then. It wasn't because I wanted to become a priest. I mean, that was not part of my, you know, mm -hmm. what I was thinking about. Oh, this is so cool. I want to be a priest. It was like, this is just so cool. Right? right? And there's something to this. And it's, it's a beautiful thing what the priest did, but there was something about it. And when I got out of kind of that stage of, of play acting, <laughs> <laughs> I always, I, I found the Mass just something that was, it's a place of, of deep peace. For me, it was it was something that I couldn't miss. Mm -hmm. Although later on, I got into my college years, kind of that some kind of went by the wayside a little bit. But that's because I lost my focus on the Lord. Really, I mean, mm -hmm. that's what happens. You lose your focus on the Lord, then you you lose the Eucharist because mm -hmm. you stop going. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's simple. It's not rocket science, right? It's mm -hmm. pretty. It's pretty simple. But there was always something about the Eucharist that that, that I was drawn to. You know, whether it led to my vocation or not, it probably did because when, when we fall in love with Jesus, when I fall in love with Jesus through the Eucharist, mm -hmm. right, then I desire to do what, what anything that he wants me to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll accept any vocation he gives me. When I, when I had my, what I call like a reversion to the faith, I was probably in my mid-20s, the Eucharist became even more potent mm -hmm. um, in my life. And um, it's really allowed me to discern marriage and, and the priesthood at the same time. Because mm. I was dating a, a girl that I was going to get engaged to. <laughs> but I couldn't get rid of this, this notion about the, about the priesthood. But it became more clear that in my own heart of a desire to do the will of Jesus for my life. And my girlfriend did too. I mean, we had a really beautiful relationship that was grounded in faith mm. in the Lord. That's why when we had to break up, I mean, it was probably easier for me than her, but... It was because we desired to do the will of God, but I think it, it, that came, that desire came from going to mass. I mean, I was, it, it, you know, it was during that time of my life I started to go, even though I was flying for a living, but I, I wasn't gone every single day, and I, it was just a varied schedule. That, mm -hmm. I mean, I would find myself going to daily mass mm -hmm. um, frequently, you know, three or four times a week, and then the weekends, and so because there was a love in my heart and a deep desire in my heart for Jesus. And it, and it came through this. It, it came through my experience and participation at Mass in the Eucharist. So, mm -hmm. I, I would say the <laughs> the Eucharist has very been been very foundational um, for me as a, as a Catholic, as a Christian. But even that's what's led me to the priesthood mm -hmm. in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you kind of notice. I I think back on it when we reflect back, you can kind of see the threads right. that lead sure. us to uh, lead us to the point, to the moment. Sure. And as I think back um, on my own life and the, you know the the real the gold thread, if you will, what really was the Eucharist, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of tied all these. So when all these things together, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. beautiful. Well, I know in my journey, it was the Eucharist that brought me back to the Catholic Church. You know, the more I fell in love with Jesus, the more I wanted the Eucharist. So. I mean, I agree with with what you say. The more you fall in love with Jesus, you fall in love with the Eucharist, and you fall in love with the Eucharist, you fall in love with Jesus. There, you can't separate yeah. them. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. So, would you mind if we just kind of rewind a little bit when you were talking about your college years, and you mentioned that there was a time of maybe drifting away from the faith? Can you maybe share a little bit more about maybe what convicted you to what what drew you back? What led you to then become more on fire for the Lord and for the for the church? Okay, it was after college, actually. I mean, because I went to Mastering College, 
Okay. I lived in Madison, and I lived like three blocks from the cathedral, so it was easy to go. Oh, wow. I had like no reason. No excuse, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not to. I mean, I mean, we can always have a reason. We can make him an excuse not to. But, mm-hmm. and and I did that plenty of times as well. But it was it was it was a few years later, and I remember I was between, between flying jobs. My first flying job and the second one. I just moved to Davenport. I'm going to take this flying job, and I flew in this this job I had it for a year. I hated it, and it only lasted a year, thankfully. But it was during that time. So I moved to Iowa to like two weeks after my mother passed away. Mm. I was 25 years old, and uh, so you move to this new place. You don't know a soul, right? And the job I had was fl- you know, and flying was me and one other person, so I really had not a whole lot of contact with other people, mm-hmm. like like in a regular type of work, in a regular like it's, you know, there's no, there were no other employees, right. if you will. But I, I found myself, after the end of that first year, I was, like, really miserable. Mm. And I was broke, and I was unhappy. But as I began to think about, why am I unhappy? It's, so it's not because I'm broke. It's not because I don't have a job now. It's because, and I think the Lord really, in his, in his own way, in, in the big mystery, kind of convicted me in the sense that you're miserable because you have abandoned me. Mm. Right, so I had I had a because I was not I was kind of I was a lazy Catholic. That's what I kind of call myself. I was a lazy Catholic at that time, and so I really had kind of abandoned this, um, you know, going to mass, confession, all of that, and I began to think about, you know, yeah, I'm I'm miserable because I've abandoned my relationship with the Lord and the Mm -hmm. sacramental life of the church, Mm -hmm. and so I was really kind of convicted in that, and so I went back and. And plus, there's another beautiful story that you know, people have heard this before. But you're know, growing up as a Catholic and going to religious education, right? Mm-hmm. Every religion class I've ever been in my whole life, everyone tells you, "God loves you, mm-hmm. God loves you," right? How, mm-hmm. how many times have we said that to people, right? right? A lot. You know, and and um, I taught religious ed, you know, sixth grade boys, and it was kind of like you, you say that, well, God loves you, God. and I and I. <laughs> At this, so I'm in like my mid my mid twenties, right? and I'm thinking, I've heard this so often, and I thought, like, what in the world does that even mean, mm-hmm. right? God loves you. Isn't that a isn't that a nice thought, you know? But I don't have a lived experience of that. I don't know what that looks like, what that feels like, or what it's supposed to feel like. You know, I know I've been loved by others. I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. But God, that was a whole different concept if you will and so i began to pray lord i you've, i've been told my whole life you love me I, I don't know what that means so give me a personal lived experience of your love mm-hmm. lord give me a personal lived experience of your love and i p- began praying that every day and um, i didn't some have dr- some dramatic conversion experience like i was levitating or anything <laughs> 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 it, i bet what happened is I began to see the Lord changed my whole vision, the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed the world, the church, my friends, and I began to see everything in a different through a different set of lenses, if you will. That led me back to the church, and then I became like, like all in, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I joined the choir, and then I became a lecturer Eucharist, and this was kind of like in short order, and then. I got duped into teaching religious education. That's how it yeah. tends to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was during that time, you know, I, mean, I was going to daily mass a lot. And, you know, and then it was, so it was during that time that like this, like the, the whole thing about vocation enters my level of consciousness my first year in college. Mm-hmm. And I like, like rejected it. 
And, but it was so it was during this time that the whole notion of priesthood started came back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I, th- I think I think it was real like 13 years ago when I first <laughs> when <laughs> right. I first entered my level of conscience. But I wasn't ready ready to hear it, mm-hmm. you know. But it comes back to my relationship with Jesus and my commitment to the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to that. Mm-hmm. It's foundational, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to be honest, I don't know how we can call ourselves a good Catholic um, if we don't have a deep devotion to Jesus mm-hmm. and the Eucharist. Sure. You know? And maybe yeah. just one, one more sort of question regarding your own testimony and your own growth in love for the Lord and for the Eucharist is, have you noticed now over the years since you gave your yes to the Lord, you know, back after your college years, you gave your yes to seminary, you gave your yes to priesthood and to being a bishop, how has your maybe relationship with the Lord through the Eucharist, how has that sort of developed or deepened that you can tell over the years from the time you were gave your first yes to now? What have you seen take place? Well, it's my relationship with the Lord has deepened, and the, and the reason being, not just because of I have an active prayer life daily, mm-hmm. but, you know, as I've matured as a Christian, as a Catholic, as I've delved into you know, theology, and, and so as I've read books on the Eucharist and, uh, and so on and so forth, and you, as I've learned more about the, the, the Mass and the Eucharist and what is really taking place at the Mass, right, then, all the, then it's like, wow. <laughs> your, eyes, right. your eyes become wide, like wide open. <laughs> and, it's, and you get these little nuggets, and I thought, wow, I never knew that before. And then, so that gives, you know, when we experience that, it gives us a whole new focus when we come to Mass, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, we thought maybe we were consciously, actively participating before, but now we find out there's certain nuggets that come forth regarding, you know, the meaning of the Eucharist and what is happening in this magnificent miracle. Then that only just this, this, this deepens and it changes, it changes, changed my heart and my life regarding Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what he's offering to us in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so it has deepened. And it's only like I cannot celebrate Mass every day. I cannot not do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because of the Eucharist. It's mm-hmm. because of the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. and what He gives to us. I mean, He gives Himself to us. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's who He. That's what He gives to us. His very His complete self to us. He gives mm-hmm. that to us. And like, how how could we not want that every day? Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Because and it's every day he gives us his total self. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned, you know, reading certain things that helped, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the more you come to know someone, the greater you're able to love them. And so as you were getting to know more about the Eucharist, you were learning more about Jesus. Have there been any really solid resources that have helped you to grow in that knowledge? You mentioned this book, uh, Bread That Is Broken. Um, do you have any other sort of book recommendations, the catechism? Where, where have been some really good sources for you to learn more about the Eucharist? Yeah, obviously the catechism is a big thing. If you want to know any, mm-hmm. about anything the church teaches, it's all right there right. in a nice little package right. <laughs> that, that is waiting for all of you who might be listening to this to unwrap. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Right? I have found the catechism to be one of the most beautiful prayer books mm-hmm. the church has put out. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a catechism of the Catholic Church. It's lists, I mean, but it truly, if it's if you read it and pray with it, it's one of the most beautiful prayer books. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it is right up there level with holy with the sacred scriptures, really. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, because it explains the scriptures a little bit more, you know. And so I think that's, you know, the, you know, the scriptures, the catechism. I've read a, a number of uh, books on the Eucharist along the way. I can't recall the titles right now. Sure. I mean, I remember I was in the seminary, and my, my professor who had taught the Eucharist, he said, I can't remember how he put this, but it was really like, he said, you cannot be serious about your faith if you don't read a book on the Eucharist one a year, at least once one a year. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a good challenge. I yeah. like that challenge. No, it is. I mean, because um, there's a lot of good books out there on the Eucharist, mm -hmm. but, but he said uh, if we're serious about our faith and our relationship with the Lord, we should be compelled to read a book, at least one book on the Eucharist a year. Mm -hmm. I like that. Because oh, in yeah. that, it's, I mean, we're drawn deeper into the mystery. I mean, obviously the Eucharist, is the Mass, the whole, is, 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 is a beautiful mystery. Mm -hmm. And the mystery is not something to be solved. It's something to to delve into and to enter into, if you will. Sure. Um, because there's, as we all know, <laughs> Jesus always has more to share with mm -hmm. us. He has more to teach us. He has more to give to us. Mm -hmm. And so even when we go to Mass and receive the body, blood, the soul and divinity of Jesus, he's given him his whole self in this one Mass, right? We have not received everything that he's given to us, even though we mm -hmm. have. But I mean, right. we haven't taken it in because we can't, we can't get our minds and our hearts around it all in one, right. one fleeting moment. Right. He is infinite, and we are finite. Right. Yeah. That's very well put. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and and the more we realize that and recognize that, acknowledge that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It allows us to enter into the mystery yeah. even more and to journey with that, as well. So. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other questions on his his journey? His well, I, I testimony? think I think that's a, that's a really good sharing of your own testimony and how it is that you have fallen in love with the Lord through the Eucharist and how it's grown. Something that we're excited about in this diocese and in our country is that you, along with all the other bishops, are calling for this Eucharistic revival so that we can all experience what it is that you're experiencing. So I, I think Emma wanted to pick your brain about some of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff too. Yeah, when I first saw that the bishops were calling for just a nationwide and even worldwide Eucharistic revival, and then when you shared that that is one of your hopes as well for this diocese, you know, what was really kind of the root and the spark behind that? Uh, well, first of all, it's like this whole Eucharistic revival is part and parcel of one of the priorities of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Mm -hmm. We all know that we live in a world today where less and less people are coming to Mass weekly, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and COVID's only exasperated the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. But it's been a trend for many years. And so how do you stop the bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. And why do not people not want to come to Mass or choose not to come to Mass? And, and I would say because they have no idea what is happening at the Mass. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes people look at the sacraments of the church as the events they attend. And so if you attend to an, an event, you can participate to the extent you want to. Mm -hmm. You can sit there like a bump on a log, or you can choose to actively participate, mm -hmm. I mean, meaning like pick up the book and you know, do, the <laughs> do the responses and so on and so forth. Sure. But a lot of people, we've lost a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I believe it's because they don't understand the great beauty of what Jesus is offering to us mm -hmm. and even people in the pews you know so we just did this disciple maker index in this diocese right 
And the data, what the data revealed, and this is people who are surveyed are people who go to mass. Mm -hmm. Only 70% of the people that go to mass that completed this survey, only 70%, it may seem like a lot about 70%, but when you think about it, only 70% believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, which means 30% of the people at mass, they have no clue. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're coming. Right. You know, so I, <laughs> I have to applaud them, right, because they're coming. They're still coming. Sure. Even though they don't understand it, they're still coming. So they're getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. But th those who aren't coming, it's because they, I don't believe they understand it. And mm -hmm. so I think this whole purpose of a Eucharistic revival nationwide is to meet that issue, mm -hmm. confront that his issue head on. And I mean, I think we all can say that over the years, at least I've just shared over the years, how my love for the Lord and love for the Eucharist has grown. Mm -hmm. And I've been a committed Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I went to seminary and, and I understand what's going on at the Mass, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that don't. And so the, I think the, a Eucharistic revival is to, I believe, is to excite, inspire, ignite people's hearts about a relationship with Jesus that is in particularly realized um, in the celebration of, the, of mm -hmm. the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Sure. And so that's, I mean, it's, it's beautiful, and I'm excited for it. And what are your, like, some of your hopes and desires that will take place, you know, here in the diocese uh, to feed into that? Well, my hopes and desires is that, you know, the offerings that will take place in the diocese, that people will come and participate. Mm -hmm. You know, so they can hear the things that might be. Put, you know, we don't really have this planned out yet. Sure. It doesn't begin until June, so we're right now we're kind of in a planning stage, mm -hmm. and then you know there's three parts of this whole process. One is the diocesan phase, mm -hmm. where we, you know we'll probably bring speakers in to talk about the you know they give talks and so on and so forth. There'll be other things that get planned along the way that help people to grow in their love for the Eucharist. We you know we may have some you know help people to experience um, Eucharistic adoration and mm -hmm. teach them about that. What is that? What does that mean? What is that happens there? And, and, and things like that. So, so like the first year will just be, will be on a diocesan level. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, beginning the Feast of Corpus Christi in 2023, then it, we move into the parish phase. Okay. And so it's my hope that any catechesis that's, that's taught across the diocese, no matter what age group it is or what grade level it is that the whole year is focused on on the mass mm -hmm. and the eucharist because mm -hmm. i think that's the only and, and helping people to grow in their relationship with the lord mm -hmm. and teaching them how to encounter him mm -hmm. right even at mass sure you have to be in and engaged in an encounter like we're engaged in an encounter right mm -hmm. right now because mm -hmm. we're talking each other our hearts are united and you know and so i'm, I'm not sure how how deeply hearts are united when people come to mass Mm -hmm. Right with the Lord, mm -hmm. right because it's this is a, this is an encounter with the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I, I'm hoping that this revival teaches people how to do that, mm -hmm. because you know we all know that it's only the Lord, it's the only the Lord that can convert our hearts. Mm -hmm. Right, all we can do is is hopefully provide opportunities and some catechesis to allow the Lord through His Holy Spirit to do to do the work. Mm -hmm. And the Lord wants to change our hearts, even those who are all in. 
you know, we, we're all still called to conversion, <laughs> no matter how old we are and no matter right. holy we think we are. Right. And I think, you know, the holiest people feel the call, for the, the, the need for conversion more than anyone. I mean, if you think about, if you read about the lives of the saints, mm-hmm. you know, the holier they are in, in the eyes of, of the world, you know, in their own heart, you know, they see that they have the greatest need for conversion. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we're as we're thinking about, you know, those people who perhaps aren't coming and you mentioned that part of it was because they don't realize what it is that's that's taking place. Would you be able to give, I don't know, maybe like a 30 second, just to kind of a, a brief sort of overview of what is it that does take place at mass? What is it that we should know is taking place? Because we hear these readings, fathers saying some prayers but I think a lot of people aren't actively participating because they don't realize what's at the heart of it all. Can you just tell us what's at the heart? In 30 of the seconds, mass? that's impossible. 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Give us you, the overview, and then we might have How about you 30 minutes? Hey, you, <laughs> exactly. You, you go can for come it. back. Go for part two. For <laughs> well, first of all, yeah. you know, people have to realize, you know, the word Eucharist comes from a Greek word that means Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So the whole Mass, from beginning to end, the beginning of the opening song to the last note of the closing song, is part of our prayer, the whole congregation's prayer of thanksgiving to God the Father. I don't think people know that, mm-hmm. right? But it is a, it's our prayer to the Father, mm-hmm. right? It really is, yeah. And that's what it's about. Because if you think about all the prayers, all the colics are addressed to the Father, right? Mm-hmm. right? Through Christ our Lord. Right. And I don't. So people have to you have to listen to the words that, that are said by the priests, because it's not the priest's prayer. It's it's everybody's prayer, mm-hmm. because all the pronouns are us and we our. Right. And so and people are not aware that this prayer is theirs. But the whole mass is a prayer to the father, mm-hmm. our prayer, everyone who's there. And it's a prayer of thanksgiving. So what are we thankful for? Well, we're thankful for what the father has done for us in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. right? What has he done? He sent his son into the world to suffer and die for our sins so that we may have eternal life with him forever. Mm-hmm. That's it. And we're all sinful. We're all sinners. And we're there as sinners to be redeemed by this love affair that, the, that God has with each one of us. Mm-hmm. And so what is happening in the Mass is the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes, it's a meal because we're there to eat, right? I think that's sometimes been overemphasized, I mean, more than, than the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, so what, is, what is taking place on the altar, which is the focal point, is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is being made present in an unbloody way on this altar. Mm-hmm. So we experience the crucifixion of Jesus in this moment. right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus g- then gives himself completely to us. Is, so so the, the, the simple elements of bread and wine are transformed into his body and blood by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we read you know, John's Gospel, chapter 6, it's all about this, the bread of life discourse. And Jesus talks about you know, that this, this, he takes bread and says, this is my body. It's not a symbol of my body. This is my body. He takes the wine. And so this is my blood. It's not a symbol. He doesn't say this is a symbol. He says, this is my blood. And so his body and blood, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, if, if, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, right, you would think <laughs> right. he can easily turn bread and wine into the body and blood of his son, right? right. <laughs> and right. So, so that's what's happening on this altar. And then Jesus, 
out of his deep, passionate love for us, gives himself to us, gives, him, gives his body and blood to us so that we may have his life in us. So we take his life in us so that we can be transformed into him, mm -hmm. right? You know, you know, say you they, you become what you eat, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So if you're eating potato chips all the time, <laughs> eating sweets all the time, well, you become something that you don't really want to become, but you become that, right? Right. Well, if if you come in to receive Jesus, you know, and he's he's your food for the spiritual journey, day in and day out, week in and week out, we become him, mm -hmm. you know, in a new way. We take on his identity in a new way. You know, we, we take on um, his virtues. We, we take on his, we become like him, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because he's in us now through the power of his Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so if people came to Mass with that kind of a mindset, I used to tell parents, you know, why don't you start telling your kids and said, okay, kids, let's go to Mass now. Instead of saying we're going somewhere, why don't you tell your kids, look, we're, we're, let's let's go to church for a beautiful encounter with the Lord Jesus mm -hmm. in the mass mm -hmm. this morning. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's words words matter, mm -hmm. and they communicate what we believe. Mm -hmm. So if I just tell people I'm just going to mass, and there's no <laughs> sense of excitement about that, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. that, that kind of communicates something, doesn't it? Right. It means it's not all that important, but I'm going because the church says I have to. It's an obligation. I'm going to sin if I don't or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. and, and if people don't have a concept of sin, then they could care less whether they come or not. Right. It's, it's, no, it's not a sin to them if to miss Mass because they have no concept of, one, what Jesus is offering them, but you know what, what's lacking in their own heart which that's, that rejects that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to circle back real quick too to when you were talking about how in your testimony you started to see the Eucharistic Lord giving himself fully to you, and it's it was just cool to hear how that led you to respond by giving your yes to him and to give yourself to him. And so what I appreciate about this dynamic you're drawing out here is that at the Mass, the Lord gives of himself totally to us, and it gives us this opportunity. It invites us into us giving our full selves to him. And that's kind of where the transformation happens. So I, I just appreciate that you're drawing that out. And because in, in the cross, at the, on the cross, Jesus surrendered himself to the Father, mm -hmm. totally. You know, into your hands I commend my spirit. And so when Jesus gives himself to us and, and we take him into our bodies, that allows us to surrender or it, it enables us, it encourages us, it inspires us to surrender mm -hmm. ourselves completely to him. Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm just a servant. Do with me as you will. You know, whatever you do, I may thank you. In the beautiful prayer of St. Charles of the Cold. Yeah. Well, a part of every episode that we, that we record, we also talk about some just like practical applications. You know, how can we whether apply the topic that we just talked about into our lives or how can we, what are some things that we could do to grow spiritually? And so, uh, like, how would you explain to someone or maybe just illustrate to someone who doesn't have a strong faith in the Eucharist, what are some practical or spiritual tips that you would suggest to help them grow in that devotion? 
Well, first of all, I would ask them to pick up their Bible. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and really read, read the Gospels. And in particular, read John chapter 6, John's Gospel chapter 6, the Bread of Life Discourse. And not just read it, like pray with it. Mm. And ask the Lord Jesus, so Lord, if this is true what you're saying here, because these are your words, deepen that in my own heart, that understanding of that in my own heart, in my own life. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's, that's one way. Mm-hmm. You know, secondly, obviously, is to come to Mass. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to know everything about the Mass, but just our desire to come. The Lord will work. The Lord works beautifully with our desires. Just come because we desire to be there, knowing that this is an encounter with Jesus. And and there's a lot of simple books like bread bread that is broken on the Eucharist. It's very easy to read. Oh yeah, I and was. It's, it's, it's yeah. in very. It's not deep theological in the sense of like it's complicated. Um, you know, theological concepts right. or words. It's it gets very, too heady or something. It's like very that, yeah. down to earth where people, you know, it's, it's, it's a very clear and simple explanation of, of, of the Eucharist and the Mass. I mean, mm-hmm. th- those are places to begin. And then talk to people, find people that you know that love the Mass mm-hmm. and talk to them about it. Have them share their experience of it. And I think those those are important. Those are just simple things. Mm-hmm. You know, those are just simple things that people can do. doesn't have to, you know, all we have to do, it's the Lord that does the work in us. Sometimes we have to think, well, we've got to fix ourselves, and, you know, it's up to me to come to understand this and that, and that's not true. You know, all prayer begins with desire, St. Augustine says, and so it's coming to the Lord with a desire for a deepening life in Him in our own personal prayer and in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And if we come to the Lord with an openness and a, and a surrender in that desire, the Lord will do the rest. And you'll be amazed what he, what he will do. I mm-hmm. mean, it'll be, you, you will think it's miraculous because it is miraculous, really. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's, I mean, it's the source and summit yeah. of our faith for a reason because it's the miraculous gift that, that he gives to us. It was, um, I was, gave a homily a couple of weeks ago in a parish and I was talking about miracles and uh, some of that i ask questions you believe in miracles have you ever seen a miracle and raise your hand if you haven't <laughs> not many people raise their hand to be honest and 1980 right and i said oh that is completely wrong and as i'll tell you about that in a second mm. and so at the end of my homily I, I come back to the whole miracle thing and i said every time we come to mass you see a miracle right here on this altar. The body, the bread and wine is transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. That is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Every time that you come here, you see a miracle, you experience a miracle, and you receive the miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so if people come to Mass expecting a miracle, they're gonna cease, they're gonna be mm-hmm. you know, the right. wide-eyed, you know, what they experience and what they see. I always like to tell people, expect that Jesus will work at, at any moment, and he works in the mass. Like, I've, I mean, I love the mass. I know Father Kevin loves the mass. Like, it just, there's the greatest, greatest gift that happens there. So, yeah, part of the problem I think with us today is we, we, we have no expectations of the Lord, mm-hmm. which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if yeah, you think about it, it it's, it's really kind of sad. Yeah. But we don't have, I mean, many people have no expectations of the Lord. It's kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, we should be bold with the Lord, you know, in what we ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bold, very bold. Mm-hmm. You know, because He wants to give us far more than what we're 
feel we're bold in asking. Right, exactly. right. <laughs> right. We may think we're bold in asking yeah. something, and then there's, Jesus is like, actually. <laughs> that's mere penance is what I want to give you. <laughs> right, right. No, I've prayed some bold prayers, at least, that I've thought in my own mind, and then he shows up, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that was a lot bolder than what I was anticipating. <laughs> so wonderful. Well, Bishop, that's all of our questions that we have, at least for now. But who knows? Maybe we'll invite you yeah, back. It'd be for... great to come back. It was yeah. nice. It was fun being with you today. Wonderful. This well, thank fun. you. We were just anytime so I can talk it. about Jesus, I, I I love it. Amen. Well, hey, amen. <laughs> we we, we that agree that you in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll have some scotch or something for you. Who that's knows? too early for that. So it have to be in. It have to be an evening. Oh, uh, we can. Yeah, we, we can arrange for that. Not a problem. Not a problem. Cheese and crackers and we like theology on the tab. Yeah. Yeah. See if we'll 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 work on that. <laughs> so uh, something that we do in every episode, because this is the the cause for joy podcast, we share a one joy for the week, something that has brought really just a lot of joy to our hearts, and so we just something that we can share with our listeners, and we encourage them also to think, you know, how's the Lord been blessing them with great joy throughout the week? So we're gonna make Father Kevin go first, so you have some okay. time to think yeah, about some this. Time to think, but. Yeah, just uh, this past week, I had some good priest fraternity with a classmate of mine. I went down to visit him, and you know, it started out as any good priest fraternity time should be. We had some good barbecue and played some video games. It was just some good brotherly fun, and then you know, it led to some some good rich conversation and just praying over each other and just uh, giving thanks to God for the gift of priesthood. So just being with him gave me a lot of joy this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. You want I'm me up? to go second? Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So I mean, this seems fitting just because we talked about the Eucharist, but for me, it, uh, it's just Eucharistic adoration. I have a holy hour at 4 p.m. on Mondays in Bay City in the Perpetual Adoration Chapel. And so that brings so much joy that there are days where I don't want to go and I'm dragging myself like, OK, well, I got to go do this. But then I always leave and my my heart is just just full. So for me, that's that's my one joy of just my holy hours that I make before our Lord in the that's Eucharist. Great. So. Bishop? And me. Well, um, let me kind of put this in a little bit of a context. So my brother just passed away Mm -hmm. about 10 days ago. And he's my older brother, and he's 10 months older than me. Which, and I have a twin brother besides, so some people say, well, we're Irish triplets, right? So mm-hmm. I just learned that. <laughs> if one is born within 10 months, then you're Irish triplets. But, um, but my older brother that, that was born 10 months older, so he was Down syndrome child, mm-hmm. right? And so he's like 60, so he died when he was 67, which is he's lived far longer than most Downs um, people live. And and so we had his funeral. It was in a funeral home because um, nobody other than my sister and I are Catholic. Mm. And so, like, her kids were raised in the Lutheran church, and so and there weren't many a lot. There weren't a lot of people there. But during the, during the funeral at the funeral, I, I presided at the funeral just before the funeral began. Um, so he had lived in a group home for for the past forty years, and mm. so and he had one roommate for the whole forty years. Just before the funeral began, in comes all his all his roommates from the group home. Oh wow! Wow! And so they all come in and they, they sit down and um, it, but it just it brought me great joy to see like this was Mike's family mm-hmm. really. I mean, we obviously has his you know biological family, but this was sure. really his family. Sure. And they all came, 
And they all came to say their goodbyes to him. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. At the end of the homily, um, because I because we had time, and I invited people to get up and share anything about. And there was a couple of them that got up and talked. You know, they had a hard time articulating what they wanted to say, but it was just beautiful that they would want to do that when they came, and that they would want to come and share something about about Mike. And uh, it was so that was just that was the highlight of the funeral, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it just brought me great joy and. You know, to to see you know the smiles and and the joy on their faces mm-hmm. um, was 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 very beautiful. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you for like sharing. Yeah, so it's like a preview of heaven, right? In the yeah. communion of yes. saints, and just yes. those are going to be the people who greet us. And yeah. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Bishop, for mm-hmm. being with us and just for sharing your heart. We were wondering if uh, you could just close out this episode in prayer, maybe in particular, just praying for a outpouring of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. on our diocese and just. Uh, helping us to all have this joyful Eucharistic witness. Would you mind doing that for us? Happy to. Great. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you glory and praise, and we thank you for your many gifts and blessings, especially the gift of your love and mercy, your life through your Son, Jesus, one who is made present intimately in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Lord, you know the hearts of all the people, every one of your, your people across this diocese. You know what's in their hearts, you know what's on their minds, you know their lack, their needs, you know their joys, you know their sufferings, their sorrows. You know everything about all of us. And one thing you know most intimately is you desire to be with us intimately, personally, uniquely. You desire that your, your son Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, dwells in the hearts of each one of us. And we know that that reality takes place in the Eucharist. So we lift up the the diocese to you this day in prayer, all of your people. We pray for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus may come alive and more alive in each one of us in the way we need your Spirit the most, each of us individually and and, uh, communally as well that your spirit might come alive and continue to draw us all more deeper into the reality of Christ crucified and raised from the dead so that we might respond with our, the, the sacrifice of our own lives to whatever he calls us to, knowing that we're, we are in union with Jesus himself. And so we give you glory and thank you for this time together this day and we ask your healing and your blessing upon us on this diocese to the power of your love and spirit. So we make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we'll see you guys next week. God bless. Thank you. God bless you.